Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, attorney for Governor Albert Bryan Jr. filed to have divorce proceedings kept under seal. The Department of Health held a ribbon-cutting ceremony today for the newly constructed WIC building on the island of St. Thomas. Delegate to Congress Stacey Plaskett speaks on her efforts to reintroduce legislation to improve federal disaster recovery and response. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. You are the leader of the USVI. Right. Um, and, you know, kind of like your personal life ain't really yours anymore, you know? Uh, you, you, Leave it like the people of, <laughs> you, so, you just said, you just told me, you told um, the first lady that you're married to the people of the VA. I am, I made okay. that commitment. I put my hand in the air and swore on the Bible. So that's what I mean, so it's theirs. You know, you look at the, the, the Canadian Prime Minister and he said, you know what, this is, this is what was going on with me and I'm letting the public know I have a responsibility. This is what is happening, we are split, for example. You're saying that whatever, if there is anything that's going on, that's you and that's your personal life. I think, I, I think that it, it, when there is an official statement to be made, I will make a statement because to your point, I mean, the people not only need to know, but there are people who are concerned about things that are going on in my personal life. But what I'm saying to people is, you know, that's not the issue with me. I, I think we're moving along at a good pace. We're having a good year. In a recent update from an early October interview with the Virgin Islands Consortium, attorney Henry Smock, on behalf of his client, Governor Albert Bryan Jr., filed yesterday to have his petition for divorce with First Lady Yolanda Bryan kept under seal. Counsel for the First Lady joined in the request, both agreeing that unwanted publicity could potentially adversely affect their two children. Governor Bryan is the first Virgin Islands elected governor to file for divorce while in office. Earlier today, the Department of Health held a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the newly constructed WIC building on the island of St. Thomas. Commissioner Justa Encarnacion thanked team members for their efforts in completing the project. For more than 40 years, the WIC program has been helping mothers, babies, children to get foods and information they need for proper growth and development. Just over a year ago, we put shovels into the ground right at this very spot to start the reconstruction of the WIC building, and we committed to completing the project on time, and we did. Director of the Office of Disaster Recovery, Adrian Williams Octolin, highlighted the use of disaster recovery funds to achieve the project. The funding that was received through the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018 did a lot of things for the FEMA program, but it also provided funding through other federal agencies. And the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, $6.1 million that was provided for the WIC program to rebuild and provide state-of-the-art facilities for our programs. And we are thankful for that. And we're also thankful that we were able to bring it in on time, showing that we are good stewards of the federal dollars. Lieutenant Governor Tregenza Roach remarked on the administration's effort to continue growing projects in the territory. When we did the groundbreaking for the School of Nursing, we also toured next door the simulation center. 
which is envisioned as a component of the medical school at the University of the Virgin Islands, we have already completed the facilities. The administration building on St. Thomas, the simulation center on St. Croix, which is already being used for training. And so we are really poised to have this healthcare system that if it's not the envy of the people here, it's only the envy of other people who are looking at us and who don't have the kinds of facilities that we are pleased to have. And so at the bottom of it, you're wondering, okay, so maybe we need to convince the people who are tired of groundbreakings that these are not just the projects of an administration. We thank everybody who had everything to do with this, but these are your facilities. And generations after us will benefit from the work that we do here today. During yesterday's legislative session, Senator Milton Potter filed a motion for legislation that ignited a seemingly intense exchange between him and Senator Alma Francis Heiliger. While I appreciate what my colleague is attempting to do by basically removing the legislature from having any say as to the administrator of our entire government retirement system, I find it is still a necessary need. Um, we have to understand when it comes to our retirement system and the thousands of people that depend on that system, it is a major part of our gross domestic product. And if anything ever happens to our GRS, it's going to really have a major impact on our economy. So I personally feel that this additional level of scrutiny is very much needed and important. I think it's a great safety net, as well as having us as the representatives of the people to have some kind of analysis as to who is going to be heading that specific agency in protecting the retirement of thousands of people here in this territory. Senator Milton Potter responded. I believe that this bill is necessary because if you look at it, we have the University of the Virgin Islands. They hired the president. The hospitals, same for WAPA, same for the uh, Waste Management Authority. I think that it is overreaching on the part of the legislature to now require the GERS um, board to send down the names of the person who they selected after hiring a search firm for us to give our advice and consent. I don't know what additional um, responsibilities, I don't know what additional expertise we bring to the table. Senator Francis Heiliger maintained that additional scrutiny was needed. Some of the several of the examples that my colleague utilized, the University of the Virgin Islands, if that board fails, our economy does not fail. When it comes to the hospitals, there's also an entire health department as backup support. You also spoke about WAPA. We don't even need to discuss that board. So <laughs> let's also discuss about waste management. We have been trying our best to get waste seconds. management to afford themselves from the time it has been created. So at the end of the day, I will make every attempt to protect our retirement system by having this additional level of scrutiny on behalf of the people that was elected to represent the very people who are being serviced by this retirement system. Not backing down, Senator Milton Potter responded. If education fails, God help us all in this territory. God help us all if education fails. 
Okay? This very body amended the legislation, putting specific requirements for the members of the board. They have specific requirements. They have the technical expertise to do the job of selecting a competent person to serve in that capacity. It is not necessary Time. for it to come to the Virgin Islands legislature. The measure was not supported with a vote of six yeys and seven nays. Senator Ray Fonseca abstained from voting and Senator Maurice James was absent. Lawmakers voted to approve nominations for the Virgin Islands Public Service Commission as well as Kasima Knight Hodge to the Virgin Islands Real Estate Commission. Sandra Satori was confirmed to lead the Public Service Commission and former Senator Clement Kane McGrath also received a favorable confirmation by the full body to become a member of the commission. The measure uh, passes. Laura Nichols to serve on the Virgin Islands Public Service Commission, District of St. John, have been approved by the 35th Legislature of the Virgin Islands will be sent to the governor for further consideration and action. After initially receiving an unfavorable recommendation, during the Senate Committee on Rules and Judiciary, Laura Nichols-Sams was confirmed by the full body with 10 senators voting in favor of seating her as a member of the Public Service Commission. You're in the WTJX News Feed. Last evening, during a virtual information session, Water and Power Authority CEO Andrew Smith spoke about the progress of efforts to address the water quality crisis facing residents. I do want to expand on the significant actions that have been taken by the Water and Power Authority, and not just the Water and Power Authority. I mean, we're up here with other agencies in the Virgin Islands that support us in the community. And so uh, this is really an all-hands effort uh, across the community. Uh, WAPA notified the public within 24 hours. We started flushing our system within 48 hours. Um, we notified Vitima. The uh, Unified Command was stood up. As we fast forward, it was a little over a month ago, Monday, uh, that we that we uh, received the results. Um, we've identified the service lines as the likely source of the of the contamination. Uh, we've done additional sampling. We've gotten contractor quotes uh, that will replace all of the service lines in the affected areas. Uh, we have filters on order uh, that once we receive them will be distributed to customers. Uh, we have water testing kits uh, that are also being procured. Uh, we have a voucher program that will be rolled out here in the very near term. Uh, and then we have a long-term solution to this through prudent replacement. Uh, in the medium term as well, we are going out and adjusting our water treatment chemicals. Um, because as Commissioner Oriol mentioned, we were all surprised by these results because we don't have lead service lines and that sort of thing in our system. But by changing our water chemistry, sort of think about you know taking Pepto-Bismol when you don't feel well, right? That coats our system. And that that can that can have a, a more near-term impact on this. So there's been a lot of there've been a lot of initiatives that have been undertaken, and 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 so when people say that WAPA is not responding, uh, I think that's unfair to the men, men and women of WAPA. Recently, Congresswoman Stacy Plaskett shared plans to reintroduce a bipartisan legislation called the Expediting Disaster Recovery Act. We spoke with the delegate about her efforts. This is legislation that myself and my good friend Garrett Graves have worked on for some time to just even create. Um, Garrett Graves, who represents an area of Louisiana that also has 
dealt with natural disasters and hurricanes. Uh, he and I both had worked in economic development before coming to Congress. And we also happened to be next door neighbors for a number of years. Our, our offices were next door to each other really have um, recognized that there is, um, you know, a need immediately after the declaration of a disaster to expedite additional assistance to cover unmet needs uh, in communities. And so we have been working on the establishing a separate funding stream for FEMA to disperse uh, funding, an estimated at least 10% of what is going to be a permanent grant repairs, um, restoration and replacement of damaged facilities immediately after the storm so that some initial work can be done um, to ensure that homes are habitable, um, individuals and households also have funding. Um, This will go through the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure And it's something that we're now working on having a hearing about so that it can come to the floor. Speaking about next steps. We're looking to get co-sponsors added to it. Um, You know, I'm grateful that this is a bipartisan bill. Um, Of course, structurally, we have to try and find um, an opportunity to bring it to the floor. But we're also looking for a companion measure. Um, So someone in the Senate to co-sponsor, to sponsor led companion legislation. Because um, here, unlike the Virgin Islands, which has a unicameral system, we have a bicameral, so a bill has to pass both chambers. So you have to find someone in the Senate to sponsor the legislation on the Senate side as well. Um, and that's we're looking at that right now. The Department of Human Services Division of Family Assistance in partnership with Mission Project Incorporated, has announced the launch of the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, Employment and Training Program. The training program is aimed at providing individuals with the necessary skills and support to secure sustainable employment. Training is set to begin November 20th. Participants will have access to a range of resources and support, such as job readiness training, career counseling, skills development, job placement assistance, and supervised job search. For those interested, call the St. Thomas St. John office at 340-774-0930, extension 4309-4377 or 4477. The St. Croix office at 340-772-7100, extension 7159 or 7192. You can visit the Department of Human Services website at www.dhs.gov.vi or the department's Facebook at U.S. Virgin Islands Department of Human Services. On Monday, members of the media, students, and staff gathered in the Medical Simulation Center for the University of the Virgin Islands Albert A. Sheen Campus on St. Croix to participate in conversation with Thurgood Marshall College Fund President Dr. Harry Lee Williams. UVI student and Thurgood Marshall scholar, Nadege Barbara, spoke about how being the recipient impacted her as a first-generation college student. My story is just one of countless narratives that reflect the power of HBCUs and the transformative opportunities they offer. It is a reminder that regardless of where we come from, 
with dedication, hard work, and the support of institutions like ours, we can achieve greatness. Dr. Williams highlighted that the scholarship fund was created with the goal of empowering students to finish schools across public HBCUs across the nation. As it relates to why is it named the Thurgood Marshall College Fund? Uh, as you all know, Justice Marshall was the first African-American Supreme Court Justice, uh, but he was bigger than a Supreme Court Justice. And he was someone that got up every single day focused on all of the injustices that existed uh, in this country, more specifically uh, injustices that impacted African-Americans uh, in the United States. And so our founder, Dr. N. George Payne, in 1987, had a meeting with Justice Marshall. And so she, he invited her in uh, to his office, and she made her pitch. Students, you hear about pitch. If you only got a short time frame to make a pitch. And she made her pitch to him and said, we want to start this organization, but we need a name. And we would like to have your name to be attached to this. And it will carry out, continue to carry out your legacy. Uh, and we would do it by impacting students. So students would become Thurgood Marshall Scholars. So those students, uh, Ms. Barber is a Thurgood Marshall Scholar. So when you have that name attached to you, you carry on the legacy of Justice Marshall. So we are very careful when we identify someone to have that name attached to them because we know that you exemplify all the excellence, all the quality that we, that Justice Marshall carried. So Ms. Barber, you're going to do some great things in this world. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're in the WTJX news feed. Today, the Virgin Islands Department of Education provided an update to the 30-day project listings for the St. Thomas St. John School District. Director of Communications Shayla Solomon has the details. Recently, the VIDE issued a 30-day project listing for the St. Thomas St. John School District. This listing serves to provide transparency on a number of school-based projects for the District of St. Thomas St. John. These projects will be completed by school by November 31st. It is important for us to ensure the public, all stakeholders, that we prioritize the improvements and maintenance of our school facilities. We encourage the public to visit our website, www.vide.vi, and also our Facebook page to see the project listing for each school in the district. For the month of October, we issue the update regarding the St. Croix district. And this covered all of the projects and repairs that were actively managed by our operations, facilities, and maintenance divisions. You are able to see what projects were completed by school on our Facebook page and also website. Again, www.vide.vi. The VIDE is committed to transparency and will continue to keep the public updated on all status updates regarding our ongoing projects that will continue for 60 and 90 days. Thank you. The Virgin Islands Territorial Emergency Management Agency's Division of Planning and Preparedness recently announced the student winners of their recently concluded National Preparedness Month territory-wide education contest. To tell us about the contest is Public Information Officer Joanne Moorhead. 
Every September across the country, um, we celebrate National Preparedness Month. Um, and here at Vitima, we have a division of planning and preparedness. And their entire focus, they spend all year, they do all of our um, preparedness activities and outreach. And this year, uh, we decided to do a territory-wide education contest. Um, and so we reached out to all of our students throughout the territory um, to come up with some fun educational ways to uh, incorporate preparedness activities and preparedness education. Um, now that we have winners, we did select three first prize uh, winners. And so next year when we ramp up continued awareness programs, um, we do plan to utilize the, the, the winning entries in part of our public outreach next year. Miss Moore had shared the winners of the competition. So our elementary school third prize goes to Sage Caesar from VI Montessori um, in St. Thomas. Second prize goes to Jaslyn Lynch from Ricardo Richards Elementary School. And the first prize of the elementary school level goes to Anila Guadalupe of Ricardo Richards. And she created um, a crab character, um, <laughs> a very cute crab character. For the junior high level, our third prize went to St. Croix Christian Academy. Um, second prize, Juanita Guardian really showed up for the TikTok challenge. So second prize goes to Juanita Guardian's seventh grade. And first prize is Juanita Gardine's sixth grade class. The third level of competition was the high school competition, and that was the 60-second jingle. And third prize goes to Reina Guadalupe of St. Croix Educational Complex. Second prize goes to Samantha Anderson from VI Montessori School. And first prize goes to Damari Canton from Free Will Baptist Academy in St. Croix. Um, and we will be posting them as well on our social media starting this afternoon. As we continue in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. Police announced today that a U.S. tourist died in the Bahamas after a catamaran carrying more than 100 people sank while traveling to a private island. Chief Superintendent Chrislyn Skippins told the Associated Press that the unidentified 74-year-old woman was from Broomfield, Colorado, and was on a five-day vacation with her family when the catamaran sank late yesterday morning. The rest of passengers and crew members were rescued. Police say that two unidentified people were taken to a medical facility, but the conditions were not immediately known. Life vests were available, and those on board were wearing them. That's according to authorities. Police said the double-deck catamaran began taking on water after departing Paradise Island with a group of tourists headed to the Blue Lagoon Island. A video posted on social media showed passengers yelling as the catamaran began listing on its right side. Police say the Royal Bahamas Defense Force also helped with the rescue as well as nearby pleasure craft. The investigation is ongoing. In our final update on the news feed, we turn now to the territory's weather forecast. 
Here's the latest short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. Bright sunshine continues at St. Croix this afternoon. Temperatures will hold in the upper 80s. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find mostly sunny skies. There's the small chance for a shower near sunset. Temperatures a bit warmer in the upper 80s to near 90. Winds from the east as well at 15 to 20 miles per hour. Scattered showers will return overnight into Thursday. At St. Croix, temperatures will fall back to near 80. Winds from the east at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, scattered showers are also expected as well, mainly early. Lows will fall back to near 80. Winds from the east, southeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour, gusts as high as 15. Any showers that linger early Thursday give way to bright sunshine in the afternoon. Temperatures will reach the upper 80s to near 90 at St. Croix. Winds are a bit stronger from the east at 15 to 20, with gusts as high as 25. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find more in the way of cloud cover through the day on Thursday. And there is the chance for scattered showers, mainly in the morning. Temperatures will climb into the upper 80s to near 90. Winds from the east at 15 to 20 miles per hour with gusts as high as 25 to 30. That's your latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX Newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.